Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn to the uh, Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Um, our service this morning, our time this morning is going to end with communion. I want to do that here at the very end of this year as we stand at the uh, threshold of the coming year. I want to remember, I want to remember the, uh, the death, the resurrection, the sacrifice the provision of Jesus. And I, I love to do that, particularly this time of year. And so as you are, as you are receiving and continuing to worship the Lord through this, this, this message, I want you also to be preparing your heart as we receive together the, uh, the, the emblems of Jesus' body and blood. One of the best-known events in Jesus' life his birth, right? I mean, we, we just talked about that in recent weeks. We've celebrated in many ways. One of the best known events in Jesus' life or most talked about events in his life, his birth, was followed, was immediately followed by years where we know almost nothing about his life. Did you ever think about that? All of this, this wonder of Jesus' birth and the ways in which we celebrate it followed by almost nothing. And other than a brief glimpse of Jesus at age 12, just one small episode of his life at age 12, there is just really one verse, verse 52, that says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, just one verse, Luke 2, 52, the, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And you see it before you there. It's not, it's, it's not a very long verse. There's not a whole lot to that, or at first glance, <clears throat> there's not a whole lot to it. Those 15 words, and that's how many are up there, those 15 words describe the 30 years between Jesus' birth and the beginning of his public ministry. 15 words to describe 30 years. That's, that's what, one word for every two years when you break it down like that? that that's not very much to describe that huge period of time. That right there before you is the summary of about nine-tenths of Jesus' earthly life. Now, un understand, there is certainly more to Jesus' story. Uh, th there, there is so much more to Jesus, so many chapters to his life that, that are unwritten and unknown. And by the way, we're we're not supposed to know those things right now. Everything that we're supposed to know about Jesus is recorded right here. But certainly there is more to his story. There's, there's, there's much more that Jesus did, and perhaps someday when we get to heaven, we will know the rest of the story. I trust that we will. I would want to know some of that. But here's what we do know, that in those approximate 30 years between his infancy and before his public ministry at age 30, we know this, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. Now, I'm taking this out of order. Please understand this. I'm, I'm taking it out of order. There's a reason for that, but I, I want you to notice how it says Jesus grew in stature. It's the second thing listed there. 
Jesus grew in stature. That means, that means quite simply, physically he grew up. His body grew. No surprise, that generally happens. He started out small, I don't know, five, six, seven pounds, something like that. We don't know his birth weight. It's not important. But he started out small and he grew into a man. Do you know that the Bible says almost nothing about Jesus' physical appearance? Almost nothing. Um, we don't know really anything about his, his appearance. I'll, I'll read one thing here in a moment. We do know that Jesus had a beard because they plucked it out uh, during the suffering that he endured before the cross. We, so we know that he was bearded. No big surprise. Many people were at that time and still are today, of course. Isaiah, though, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, um, Isaiah, speaking prophetically, uh, he, he actually described what Jesus would look like. Isaiah wrote this. He said he, that Jesus would have, quote, no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. In, in other words, that means that Jesus pretty much looked like the average Jewish man of his day. No one looked at Jesus and go, wow, he looks like a king. No, again, it says, no stately form of majesty that we should look at him or appearance that we should be attracted to him. In other words, again, if, now if he's portrayed as a very good looking man, that's fine, that's not a problem. But he wasn't like, wow, he's like one of the best looking men in all of Galilee. He, he wasn't. He, he looked rather average. It wasn't his appearance that, that really stood out. But it does say here, it does say that he increased in stature. Now, why is it even mentioned here? Well, perhaps because a couple things. One, the, the, the gospel writer, Luke, one of Jesus' disciples was himself, excuse me, um, Luke was not, but he, he, was a, he came later on. He was not one of the disciples, but he was a physician. Luke was a doctor, was a medical doctor. And the interesting thing about Luke's gospel is it emphasizes Jesus' humanity more than, than uh, any of the other gospel writers. So Luke, this physician, comments on Jesus' stature. He grew up. All right, so, so that's one thing, and that's pretty basic. But it also says here that Jesus increased in wisdom. Jesus increased in wisdom. I want you to notice that. Again, this is one of those verses, verse 52, that we can rapidly go over and not think anything about. But Jesus, it says, increased in wisdom. That, that baby in a Bethlehem manger, right, that we've seen portrayed even recently, that baby in the Bethlehem manger did not, now stay with me on this, did not have all of the insight, wisdom, and understanding he would have later on. Jesus, at at a small little few day, few hour old infant, was not able to speak. He had to learn how to speak. He, he, he was like any other baby, he, he, in, in, in one sense, in that he was limited in his mind. He learned how to observe. He learned how to study. He learned how to interact with people. Now, some have a hard time with this. I remember some years ago I mentioned this and somebody came up to me afterwards and they said, what do you mean that, 
that Jesus was somehow limited, but even the Bible says so. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says Jesus emptied himself, or he humbled himself, and he became like a man. In other words, he, for a time, put aside all of the the infinite, the infinite wisdom and, and knowledge that God has, and he became that small infant. So he had to increase. It says here, please notice, it says here, Jesus increased in wisdom. He had to increase. In, increase. He had to learn. Those scriptures that Jesus would later quote, those scriptures that Jesus would quote like when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he had to memorize those. He studied those texts, and he memorized that. He didn't just have it, and he started quoting Scripture as a small little infant baby. He had to learn those things. It was hard. The prayer times that Jesus would later have with his Father, and we can read those in the Gospels as well. Jesus first disciplined himself to pray. He developed that part of his life. It happened in solitude. It happened in seclusion. It happened with a great deal of effort. It says here, Jesus increased in wisdom. He had to learn certain things. He was still God. He was still entirely God and entirely man. But he grew, he increased in wisdom. Notice there that it also says that Jesus grew or increased in favor with God. Now, again, stay with me because for some of you, this may be, you're thinking thoughts that you've never thought before about Jesus. While we know almost nothing about those interim years between infancy and age 30, I want you to know that he was never out of God's sight. He always had favor with God. He, he, was, he was never out of his sight. I wonder, and, and this is purely speculative, I wonder how many times, how often, constantly perhaps, God who knows all and is all, how often did God observe and delight in Jesus the child? And Jesus, the little boy, and Jesus, the young adult. How many times did God the Father look down and see his only son doing and saying and becoming certain things, learning those texts, studying them? How often did God look down and say, that is, that's my son? Jesus grew, of course. His father was increasingly pleased. It says he increased in favor with God. When Jesus, uh, uh, again, early on in that public ministry, so at about age 30, at the very uh, beginning of his public ministry, after he'd come out of this 30-year period of time where we know so little, um, Jesus was baptized in water. It, it really marked the beginning of his of his public ministry. He was baptized in water, and then he went into the wilderness for 40 days, was tempted by Satan, and then the Bible says he came out of there in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he began his public ministry. Um, there's no record of him performing miracles prior to that point. 
So at the very beginning, the, the Bible says Jesus, being baptized as an adult, 30 years old, comes up out of the water, and from heaven, God said this, and other people heard it, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. So when I said earlier about how God looked down and found favor and, and noticed and delighted in his son, I believe this is one of those public occasions where God publicly declared his, his, his affirmation and his affection and his delight and the favor that he found in his son. God always favored Jesus. You know, um, I found this as a father of, of more than one child, you can't have favorites, right? It's not good to have favorite kids because... But so I, I, don't, I don't have, my favorite is the only, is the one who, who's is in front of me at that point. But, but, but God had only, the Bible says his only begotten son. He only had one son. It was his favorite son. He delighted, he delighted in his son. But during those years, during those years between infancy and 30 years old, it says he increased, Jesus increased in favor with God. Put another way, their relationship deepened. The relationship between father and son, the relationship between God, the first person, God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, and God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, their relationship deepened. And while that may be a very hard thing to wrap our minds around in the whole the whole understanding of the Trinity and their relationship between them. And I know it's very difficult, but it says it here so it's true. That during that 30-year period of time, favor grew between the Father and the Son. Finally, and again you see that text in your hands or before you, it says Jesus increased in favor with man. He increased in favor with God. He also increased in favor with men. With some people, Jesus had immediate favor. Last Sunday, I preached about those shepherds that uh, heard the angelic declaration. The angel of the Lord said, today in the city of Bethlehem is born for you Christ the Savior. Uh, and, and when they hear this, they, there was immediate favor. They went to where, the Bible says, they went to where the infant was found Mary and Joseph, the little baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger. Jesus didn't speak forth truth, and all of a sudden they had favor. No, just by the, the, the initial declaration, Jesus found favor with people. There were others early on, but it says here, it says here that Jesus grew in favor with people. Not just immediate favor, but he grew in favor with them. During his early years, other people certainly thought Jesus was different. Now again, we don't have chapter and verse on that, but he was. Jesus was without sin. And so when other kids, as kids will do, will misbehave, Jesus didn't. There was no sin in him. So they recognized that he was different. Also, I point out that Jesus was in community with people. How can you increase in favor with people unless you're associating with people? 
Jesus was with these people. He wasn't like, you know, the people of Nazareth where he spent most of his growing up here, some years, some period of time in Egypt prior to that as well while they were hiding out from Herod. But for most of the time um, in his growing up years, certainly uh, it happened in Nazareth. And it's not like the people of Nazareth said, you know, I think Mary and Joseph, we don't see much. He just kind of moves real fast through the crowd. <laughs> no, they knew him. They knew that this was Jesus, the the, the son of Mary and Joseph, they, they were in association with him. And because he was in relation with them, he grew in favor with them. People observed his godliness. They observed how he was respectful of other people. Many people felt and were probably recipients of his kindness. Jesus, it says here, chapter and verse, it says here that Jesus increased in favor with people. The longer and the better they knew him, the more they trusted him. Please don't miss that. The longer they associated with Jesus, the more they trusted him, the more they admired him, the more he changed them through relationship. Jesus, it says, grew in favor with man. So while that verse before you is, is rather brief, while there's really a, not a lot of words there, this very brief statement, it says a great deal. It tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. So why is it there? I mean, why is it listed? Why is it there here in the very beginning of Luke chapter 2, verse 5. Why is it there? I want you to understand that that is not recorded like everything in the Bible. It is not there simply as a record of what happened. It is not there simply to give us a better account of what Jesus became or how he became. It's, it's, it's more than just there as a point of reference to understand what he was or who he was. It's not there just to explain Jesus' development. It's also a challenge for you and I as followers of Jesus. You understand, and many of you know this, the, the, the title Christian, and it really is more title than, than name, but the title Christian means to be a follower of Christ or a little Christ. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I am a a Christian, then you're declaring, I am a follower, I am an imitator, not, not in the acting sense, but I, he is my objective, he is my model, I look to him, I want to be more like him. If you call yourself a Christian, you're saying that you are a follower, an acolyte, uh, a disciple of Jesus. So this this statement here, Luke 2, 52, causes us, to, causes us to ask some hard questions. And, and, and not the stature thing, because we all grow physically. We grow and then we, we tend to, to lose, right? We tend to, to, to diminish. So that aside, let me ask you this. How's your wisdom doing? How's your godly wisdom? Are you increasing in wisdom? Are you increasing in favor with God? Again, this is not here by mistake, and it's not here just as a matter of record, but it's a challenge to each one of us. Am I increasing in favor 
with men? Am I increasing, growing in? Am I growing in godly wisdom? Am I growing in favor with God and am I growing in favor with other people? Let me ask the first one. How's your wisdom? Specifically godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not simply knowledge. Godly wisdom is not simply memorizing this and though that's very, very good and we should large portions of this. I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's, it's, more than just under, no, it's more than just knowing it, it's also applying it. Godly wisdom is not simply reading God's word. God's wisdom is to read it and apply it to our lives. That it's the living word that this changes me, that this fundamentally speaks into my life. How is your godly wisdom? I've known a lot of smart people who are not very wise because they don't understand and have not yet applied the eternal principles of this word. Do you know that the principles that are established in God's word are as effective today as they were 2,000 years ago? I love the book of Proverbs. I just absolutely love them. I still read uh, regularly uh, the corresponding proverb for the day in addition to other readings. I've mentioned that before. And the reason I do so is because there's a tremendous amount of wisdom. Even though it was written about 3,000 years ago, there's still a tremendous amount of wisdom. It's all wisdom that God has for my life. I need that. You need that. I want to say, oh Lord, it's timeless truth. These principles are for me. These principles are for today. I want to grow in godly wisdom. Do you have, these are questions for you to consider, do you have more godly wisdom than you did a year ago or 10 years ago? Do you have more godly wisdom than you did right now than you did in 2016 or 2010 or 19 something? James chapter 5, excuse me, James chapter 1 verse 5. We're going to be looking at this here in coming weeks on Wednesday night. You're invited to join us, but in James chapter 1 verse 5 is a great verse. It says if anyone lacks wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. Let me say, it's saying there that if you are lacking in godly wisdom, not just education, but godly wisdom, if you're lacking in godly wisdom, ask of God and he will give it to you. He'll give it to you generously and he won't knock you because you didn't have it in the first place. That's the Gary Wildman translation of that verse. It means that if you're lacking it, ask him and he will give you wisdom. There are some things that some of you are encountering right now or there's some things that are just over the horizon, just into 2018, and you're gonna need some incredible wisdom. I got some really good news for you. I know who can give you the wisdom to get through that. The, some of you are going to face, some of us, we're going to face some challenges in the coming year, unlike we faced in previous years. But here's the good news. He has the wisdom for you to get you and navigate you through it. Thank God. Anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll give it to you generously, without reproach. So how's your How's your, uh, how are you increasing in wisdom? Uh, also, uh, how about your favor with God? Is your relationship with him increasing? Or if you could graph it, is it just kind of plateaued or is it in decline? How's your relationship with God? How's your favor with God? Some of you, 
some of you, some are traveling, but um, some of you are, ha- have come into a relationship with Jesus uh, rather recently. Um, thank God for that. If you came to Christ in the year 2016 or 17, 15, just in recent, gl- glory to God, I am, I am, we rejoice with you and we're trusting God for even more in the coming year. But let me tell you something, coming to Jesus is just the beginning We must also increase in Christ. If Jesus started out, he had a great beginning, at least, well, he had no beginning as God, but he had a beginning as man, conceived in his mother's womb, born nine months later in Bethlehem, but then he grew. You also have had a beginning. You surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You said, Lord, come into my heart, forgive my sins. I can't fix myself, but you can I surrender my life to you. And at that point, you had a wonderful beginning, but you must also increase in Jesus. You can ask some people when they came to Christ and they can give you day and date. Yeah, I came to Jesus and they'll tell you even some of the specifics about their conversion experience. But ask them how they have grown or increased in Jesus in recent years and often you'll get a blank stare. That's bothersome. Well, I came to Jesus, but how are you growing in him? How are you developing? How are you increasing in him? I'm afraid that too often we settle for just small portions of God's favor. I think sometimes we just say, Lord, I'll take enough favor to get me through the day. Or I'll take enough favor to to help me through this, this challenge that is before me. Or Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going for a, a, a job interview and I, I really need your favor. Or I'm, I'm meeting with this person or this client or this whatever and I really need your favor. And I, we should pray that. There's a verse in Nehemiah where he prayed. He said, God, give me favor today before this man. We can pray that. But sometimes we settle for just a little bit of God's favor. I, I learned this a long time ago that one moment of favor with God will accomplish more than a lifetime of me trying to do it. Now think about that for a moment. One moment of favor with God, Him opening the door, Him making a way, Him giving insight is greater than, 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 than years of me trying to come up with it. One moment of favor. Don't be that person who settles for just a small bit of favor with God. God's favor does not come simply by adding years. God's favor comes when we get into God's word and say, Lord, I want more of you. I want to learn more of you. I want to see more of your truth in my life. It comes when we we push other things aside and we say, I'm going to go spend some time alone with you and seeking you in prayer. I'm going to seek your face and I'm not going to leave until I know that I've been in your presence. And when that happens, God looks down and he says, I love you, child. And though he had only one begotten son, he looks down at you, and you are his spiritual son, and he loves you, and he wants to give you his favor. Some of the greatest moments in my life, no, in fact, I'm going I'm to go so far as to say, the greatest moments in my life have been when I sensed God. I mean, I sensed it as much as almost as tangible as this right here. I have sensed God looking down at me and saying, well done. Sometimes it was in the most difficult time, but I knew that I was being obedient. And God looked down and I sensed his presence saying, well done. 
I want you to feel that as well. Many of you have. But to, to feel God's favor upon you that growing relationship. When you're in Christ, His Spirit scans our lives. He exposes attitudes and actions that are not pleasing to Him. He doesn't expose those things simply to humiliate us, but to help us. He wants to grow in relationship with you. And thank God, thank God, thank God, He has given you another year in which you can grow in relationship and grow in favor with Him. Do you know you were never guaranteed this coming year? You are never guaranteed to make it out of this year. But thank God that you have. And, and he has given us another year to say, Lord, I'm, I want to grow in you in this coming year. Not a resolution, but a resolve. A resolve to say, oh, Lord, I want to grow in you in this coming year. Never settle for small portions of God's favor. And that last one there you see before you, that last one, favor with man. Is your walk with Christ, your favor with Christ, has it been translated into favor with other people? Because you're in right relationship here vertically, has it affected your relationship horizontally? The word that I'm going to use, and it's probably not a very good word, um, it's not one I use very often, but I think it Sometimes people act like jerks. And, um, and that happens, I mean, if you don't have Christ in you. But, but when, when, when a person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, acts like a jerk, then there's something wrong. And it's often wrong here. Because... The Bible's very clear on a number of occasions that when we're in right relationship with God, it affects our, right, our relationships with other people. So if, 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 you're, if you're growing in favor with God, I believe there's a reason why it's mentioned in that order, favor with God and then favor with man, that when we're, we're in growing relationship with Him, and, and this is un, under a constant state of transformation and renewal and increase, then it's also going to affect the relationships that I have with people around me. Some that I know and some that I don't. Here's where it gets really, really dicey. If, if, um, if somebody who is in a servant role doesn't meet your expectations and you lash out on them, that is, that is not increasing in favor with man. And people are going to look at you and they're going to go, why, do, why are they so harsh? Why are they so brutal? Why, are they, why, why, why do they act that way? Well, th you're not growing in favor with God. But if the people around you say, man, that person, they're, they're, there's, there's just something about them. I want to be around them. You know, if, if, if you approach somebody and, and all of a sudden, and, and they like, I don't even want to see that person because uh, it's just, then there's something desperately wrong. But here's the good news. Jesus can help you with that. Jesus can help you with that. He affects our human relationships. My wife and I, uh, actually, no, there were a couple of us talking, and we, do, we talk about you guys a lot. We talk about you a lot. If it's bad, we don't talk about you, but if it's really good, we talk about you. We were talking about someone here, and, and I just said, you know, this, this, this it was referring to a woman um, um, that uh, part of our congregation right now, 
And I said, you know, whenever that person, I'm around that person, I just, I'm blessed. They are, they are, they are, it is so apparent that they have spent much time with Jesus. And, you know, I would trust that person, I would trust that woman, I would trust her with anything. I would trust her with my family, I would trust her with my checkbook, I would trust her, or debit card if you're younger. I would, I would trust them with, I would trust this person with anything. You see, we've grown in favor. We're in relationship with each other. Remember, I mentioned that Jesus, it says that he increased, he increased in favor with man. Um, that means that he was in relationship with them. But you know, there are some people who will call themselves Christians. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't have favor with them because I'm not in relationship with them. But as we're in more relationship, as we grow together, the longer we walk this journey together, even if it's not on a regular basis, as we walk this journey together, we trust them more and we grow in favor with people and they trust us more. This is how it should be. But you know, you can't do that if we're not in relation with people. Jesus was, we can be. I want you to look at that verse just one more time. Jesus increased. It's just this one little verse tucked away in Luke to describe. Fifteen words that describe the better part of 30 years. How can this be? But it says here that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Not there just as a record of Jesus though it serves in that capacity. But it's also for you and me. How are you increasing? Are you increasing? Are you increasing? As I shared a a little while ago, um, I want to, again, with you, look to the sacrifice of Jesus. For my friends, we cannot increase in godly wisdom were it not for the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. We could not increase in favor with God without the sacrifice that he made, the price that he made. And we cannot, we cannot grow in godly favor with other people without his sacrifice. I'm going to ask those who are assisting us, would you go ahead and prepare yourselves Uh, my directive to everyone else, would you please remain here in the sanctuary um, and we're going to receive these emblems of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. As these emblems are being distributed, a couple of directions. First of all, would you please hold them until everyone has been served? Go ahead and hold it in your hands. Secondly, if you're here for the first time or maybe you're new to AFA um, and you wonder, can I receive communion? I'm not a member of the church or I've not been attending. The answer is absolutely. As soon as you guys get it, you can go ahead and start distributing it. Um, And I I, I want you to know that you can. You can absolutely take part. Uh, If you're a part of the family of God, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that's that, that, that is, you're, you're, you're welcome. So if you're here visiting with family, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, please, would you also take and hold that 
until everyone has received. Um, and then the last directive to you before we all receive this is that the Bible says that we are to not eat or drink this um, in, a, um, in a light or flippant manner, but we are to search ourselves. Um, and so in these next few moments, we're going to sing a song together here in a moment, and we can go ahead and get that ready to put on the screen. But we're, we're going to um, we're going to allow the Lord to search us. Would you do that in these moments? Say, Lord, is there anything in me? Just search my heart, search my mind. Um, if, there's, if there's some confession that needs to happen right now, go ahead, do it. Great, wonderful. That's what this is all about. If there's, if there's some things that you need to make right, well, then, then resolve to do that today, this year, and, and, and receive it, but, but, but then you're bound. Make that right today. So, so this morning, this is a great celebration. I want to sing a song. It uh, doesn't have a whole lot to do with the message that I... It has somewhat to do with the message that I just preached, but it has a, a great deal to say about, um, about the coming year. simply says this, I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. Kristen is going to help us. Joni's going to help us on this. And so in an attitude of prayer as these emblems are being distributed, let's sing this together and let's pray this together. I need you more, more than yesterday, I need you more, more than words can say.
sing that because of that, largely because of that line. Time is going by, isn't it? Very quickly. Um, Seems that the older we become, the more rapidly time passes, and time does pass. And someday we're going to be gathered around the throne of God, and we're going to celebrate Him there. But this is one of those special times in which we can celebrate in a small way um, like we're going to celebrate then. We're going to look back and also look forward. The Bible says this, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, look back. Do this remembering me. Lord, this symbol of your broken body that we hold in our hand, we thank you and we remember. We remember, though, of course, we were not there. In one sense, we were there on that hillside. We were all born much later, of course, but our sins, along with the sin of all mankind, was laid upon you. The things that I've done, the the brokenness, the failures, the, the regretful things that I remember those that I don't. They were placed on you that day. My sin was there. And you became the sacrifice for our sin. We remember your broken body and we thank you. Let's receive this together, please. Scripture continues, says, in the same way, after supper, this was the, the Passover that they were celebrating. We call it the Last Supper. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Again, he said, in remembrance of me. But then it continues on. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's not only looking back, it's looking forward. Jesus is coming again. It might be 2017, it might be in 2018. I don't know, but he's coming again. He's coming again. And so while we remember, we also anticipate. The cup represents Jesus' blood. Let's thank him for his shed blood. Lord, once again, we come to you. The one who was sinless, the one who emptied himself and then increased who was tempted in every way and yet was without sin 
the one who was the epitome of kindness and goodness and purity and love. You who became the recipient of all of the sins of the world upon you in your death and then victory through your resurrection. It is your blood, your shed blood, that forgives our sins. We remember and we also anticipate when together around the throne of God with multiple, multiple millions, even billions of others who called upon your name and received that free gift, we'll celebrate. Until then, Lord, we remember and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's receive the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him right now where you are. Just thank him. Just thank him. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Um, something that something a few you just did a few moments ago. Do you know that tonight around midnight a whole bunch of people are gonna go, ah. and and a lot of them won't remember it tomorrow, but a lot of people are gonna be really excited tonight and they're gonna clap. Do you know it's very appropriate that we just show all kinds of appreciation and thanks and gratitude and love. So, you know, I think it's really appropriate. Would you just join me in an act of praise? Let's thank our Lord with our hands and with our voices. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your word says that we are to lift up our hands and we lift up our voices. Lord, we do not applaud you because of a, of, a, of a small act well done. We praise you because you became the sacrifice for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of our lives and the only way that we can increase in wisdom and in favor with you, the Father, and in favor with man, the only way that we can do it is because of what because of you and because of what you've accomplished for us. And Lord, so Jesus, now at the, at, the, at the very end of this year and at the beginning of the year to come, we remember you and we thank you and we praise you. And now, Lord, as we make our way out of this place, as we make our way out of this place, this building, we call it a church, but the church is leaving shortly. The church is going out those doors. Those, the, the church is going into hundreds of different places. And we're going to be the church, not only in the day ahead, but in the year ahead. Would you help us be the church, be the church, so that the people around us will say there's something different about them. May the people around us, they may not be able to identify it, put a finger on it, but in time they will know that we are different because you are the Lord of our lives. So Lord, I pray that my brothers and my sisters will grow. Oh, they have grown in stature. They've grown up. But I pray that they will also grow in wisdom, godly wisdom. I pray that they will grow in favor with you and that they will grow in favor with man. I ask this blessing upon them. And I thank you, Lord, for this year and the year to come, the year of our Lord, 2018, we give you glory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.